Hi, everyone. I'm Janine Knudsen. And I'm Steve Liu. Welcome to our second episode of Mind the Gap, thinking about why we do what we do. So after that kind of long first episode on diagnostic paras, we thought we'd lighten this one up a bit. Yeah, enough theory and debate. Let's talk about procedures. Says Dr. Primary Care. Hey, 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 I think you mean Dr. Well-Rounded. So corny. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so after our last episode talking about whether or not you should tap your patients. And you should. If you're going to do it, how do you do it? Easy. Since my attending is usually busy, just call the IR fellow. Gotta get home to glue my butt on that couch. <laughs> so I call the IR fellow, and after I explain that my attending, Steve, is home vegging out on ESPN... I think there's some new Planet Earth episodes out. <laughs> oh yeah, those are good. Right? <laughs> I watched them last night. I just saying. Yeah. They're gonna ask me to get the INR below 1.5, and the play is above 100, so what do I do? Well, and remember here, we're talking about a cirrhotic, so their liver doesn't make coagulation factors properly, and their spleen is pretty much hosting a platelet party. So is the IR fellow just scudding me out, or do they have a point? Plus, they're also going to ask me to bring the labels down for the cultures and whatever else it is that they want. Luckily, you're no July intern, and you know you want cell count, protein, albumin, culture, and gram stain. But can I trust them to put it in the right bottles? Does it even matter? Who knows? Let's go deeper. <laughs> oh my god, that's seriously not going to become a thing. <laughs> it's totally going to be a thing. It's a thing Steve. You're listening to Mind the Gap, thinking about why we do what we do. I'm Janine Knudsen. And I'm Stephen Liu. Today, somehow we're still talking about abdominal paracentesis. And again, we'd like to thank Dr. Renee Williams, gastroenterologist at NYU, for peer reviewing this episode. This is a Core IM podcast supported by Clinical Correlations. So as we mentioned earlier, today we're going to discuss safety precautions for paracentesis and how to collect your ascites fluid. We'll be covering, number one, if you're going to do a tap, do you have to check the platelets and coags before you start? And number two, is it safe for hospitals and residents to do their own taps, or should everything be done by IR? And number three, when you're collecting your samples, how do you do it? I think that's enough for today. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so let's start off with safety. The main reason you're paranoid attending isn't going to let you do that tap by yourself. You would know, wouldn't you? Yep. Never trusted a single one of my residents. Hey, I was your resident. Yeah. Also very true. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> so for the discussion about safety, we're going to be referring to an article from my favorite JAMA series called The Rational Clinical Exam. Seriously, if you haven't checked it out, it's a great source to turn to after you're done with up to date. Yeah, today's episode brought to you by UpToDate and JAMA. Solid. Very nice product placement. <laughs> mm -hmm. They have to pay us now, right? Yeah, I think that's how it works. I mean, we could use a better recording space. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately. What we're really scared about is turning our patient's belly into big old hemorrhagic messes. We have some tips, like throw your vascular probe over the spot you're planning on sticking your needle into. But as we mentioned earlier, most of these patients are going to have high INRs and low platelets as a sequela of the disease. So they're just going to bleed anyway, right? Well, if we rely on our friends at JAMA, they found two prospective trials in their search that looked at pre-procedural checking of INR and platelets. Just like last time, please check our show notes for the links to the article so you can follow right along. Now, to be fair, these were both observational trials with no randomization, no blinding, and no case control. Basically, they took patients who got a tap and looked at their pre-procedure labs to see if they could have predicted what happened. And what happened? Well, generally, if you knew what you were doing, nothing bad happened. And specifically, Janine, what actually happened? <laughs> okay, so in the study from hepatology, over 1,000 taps were looked at. Nearly 75% of the patients had an INR greater than 1.5, and a little over two-thirds had platelets less than 50. 
They had a grand total of, drum roll please, zero complications wow. in trainees. Yeah. My faith in house staff is now completely restored. Good. <laughs> what about the other trial? Okay, so in this trial, only a third of the patients had INRs greater than 1.5, and almost none had playlists less than 50, but they did see two bleeding complications out of about 400 taps. So pretty rare, but it does sound like it happens, so maybe IR has a point? Did I say bleeding complications? Yeah, yeah. I was referring to skin bleeds. Wait, for serious? Skin yeah, bleeds? they measured that. Okay. Okay, so not an RCT, but pretty convincing. And this makes sense because our friends over at the AASLD agree with that sentiment. Yeah, so in 1998, Bruce Runyon... Who's like the guy when it comes to society's guidelines. He not only wrote the guidelines, he also did most of the research for them. So he wrote, Bleeding is sufficiently uncommon to preclude the need for prophylactic FFP or platelets. And that was a rating grade 2E, meaning it comes from randomized trials and impacts the cost of healthcare. So in the 2012 revision, he then rated platelet transfusion as a grade 3 recommendation, meaning that it's neither useful nor effective, and it can even be harmful. So that puts it to rest. But what do we do when IR asks us to transfuse? Well, duh, we argue the evidence, Janine, right? Yeah, okay. That always works. Mm -hmm. Always. And then we just say it's their procedure, so whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should just do it ourselves. But I'm scared, Janine. Should I be doing them? Well, there are three large observational trials that argue that you actually probably can. All these are published by some really enthusiastic dude from Northwestern. Yeah, really. He published all of them. Like all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they all support the safety and the cost savings of bedside taps. And these are performed by trainees. Versus taps done by IR. And what they showed was that general internists actually have the same safety outcomes as IR specialists, and they give fewer platelets and FFP transfusions. Okay, I'm sold. So what's our last point for the day? Oh, the last point is please, 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 please send the ascites fluid in proper blood culture bottles. The little guys are going to starve otherwise. Oh, those poor bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> so it really does matter. Our good friend Bruce Runyon went ahead and looked at this back in the 1980s, and he published an observational study of 23 patients in the archives of internal medicine. And I know that's not too many patients, but it increased the yield from 42 to 91%. So when you look at the AASLD guidelines on us, they're just citing Bruce Runyon. Because <laughs> he writes them. Because he's the man. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up. So let's get some takeaway points. Okay, number one, trust your residents. <laughs> All right. Number two, don't worry about correcting the INR and platelets pre-procedurally. Just know how to do the tap. And honestly, do your own taps. Yeah, please, residents. Don't try to be too polite to your interns. Just get certified and we won't have to pester IR. Right. And lastly, send your ascites fluid in blood culture bottles. Make the diagnosis. False negatives are no fun. So we know that we went through the data really quickly. And arguably not as in-depth as some might like. So we want to encourage you to check out the data too. Take a look at the links in our show notes on the Clinical Correlations website so you can take the time to judge the data for yourself. And sound smart on rounds. Wicked smart. After all, this is a podcast talking about filling those gaps of knowledge that you have because you only heard it the one time. So if you want to feel confident with the data, you got to pick it apart yourself. And if there are any other topics you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. I'm Steve Liu. And I'm Janine Knudsen. And remember, mind the gap. Thanks for listening. Opinions in this podcast are our own and do not represent the opinions of NYU or other affiliated institutions. Please don't use this podcast for medical advice, but instead consult with your healthcare provider.
We should just sing Moana. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it ends. The song. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>